Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman, and I hope you had a good weekend watching college football. I did. Um, you know, I actually had a little, little medical procedure last week. You know, if you know me, you know, I've got four kids. You can probably guess what medical procedure a man who never goes to the doctor but has four children would have. Um, so that happened late last week. So, I was down for the count all weekend, so I watched some college football. Um, of course, watched Clemson and Wake Forest. Uh, got into a little bit of um, didn't watch much of the Florida Tennessee. Watched some Oklahoma, uh, Kansas State. Watched some Texas A and M, Arkansas. But what I also did, if if you know anything about me, I of course I do a college football podcast, and there will be some people that would say, well, if you're going to do a college football podcast you got to focus on college football. you got to focus on it above all, all else. But what I would encourage anybody is to have other interests. Do other things. Don't make any one thing your identity. Um, and one thing I like, I'm not a as big of a golf fan as, as I maybe once was or, or as a lot of my friends, uh, but I do like golf. And what I love is the big cup events. And I promise this is, this is going to tie back in to, to some of what we saw this weekend in college football. But, you know, this weekend was the President's Cup. It started on Thursday. If you're not familiar with golf, uh, the I guess the more famous, the more long, definitely the longer standing uh, cup event is the Ryder Cup, which pits the Americans against the Europeans. It's 12 Americans, 12 Europe- Europeans in, in various match play settings for points. Uh, the winner takes home the cup, the Ryder Cup. Um, that was actually last year. This year was the President's Cup, which is Americans against the international squad, which is pretty much anybody but America and, and the Europeans. So it's guys from um, Africa and Australia, uh, South America, Central America, places like that, places that aren't represented by the Ryder Cup. So um, I love that event. And, and I got to thinking that, that one of the reasons that I like college football, but but also one of the reasons I like those kinds of events, is there are guys that will pop up and be superstars for, for a weekend. Um, of course, you do have your number one player in the world, um, Scotty Scheffler. You have, when the Europeans are playing, you have um, uh, guys like Rory McIlroy. Um, you had other top 10 players. I mean, the American squad, part of the reason that this one has not been as popular as the Ryder Cup is the Americans are, are just such have a, have a, an advantage in the talent standpoint. It's like watching an SEC team maybe play, uh, it's like, it's like watching Alabama play a mediocre ACC school in a lot of ways, but because it's golf, and because of the way the golf works, it doesn't work out to be the blowout the way we thought it would be. You know, the Americans had number one, Scotty Scheffler. They had number four, Patrick Cantlay. Number five, Xander Shoffley. Uh, number uh, seven, Justin Thomas. Um, number 16, Max Homa. Um, and, and you've got guys like that who who have, obviously, huge weekends. Um but, you know, Max Homa is one of those guys that even though he was on the team and he's one of the, the higher-ranking golfers in the world, he's not um, he's not a, a household name. He's not a guy like, you know, Scotty Shuffler won the Masters. Um, he's the number one golfer in the world. 
you you've got other guys on that team that are that are big names. That if you've ever been to a major, you know, you've got guys that have competed for majors and won majors. Uh, Jordan Spieth won multiple majors, but but you got guys like Max Homa who he may never win a major. I think he's talented enough, but he may never win a major. But he won every one of his matches this weekend and was responsible for, I think, four points for the Americans, which the winning score for the event, uh, the Americans needed 15 and a half points to win. And Homa was a part of four of them that they needed. So he had a huge weekend. And he's this is when he shines. These are when guys like that become name guys in the world of golf. And I think that's why I like college football. Is I think that's why it's always drawn me there. Is because you have guys like C.J. Stroud and um, you know Will Shipley for Clemson and and Bryce Young for Alabama, and you have all these guys that we know one day, whether it's this time next year or it's this time two years from now, they're going to be in the NFL. And these are guys that are already getting Heisman talk and already on watch lists for major awards and you know uh, there are fantasy football leagues where you can draft guys that are still in college and kind of have them as prospects on your team uh, developmental leagues or devi leagues these are guys that are in those devi leagues that 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 guys are already looking forward to what these guys are going to do as pros but then you have guys like Adrian Martinez who is at Kansas State now. A lot of you probably didn't even know that. Kansas State knocked off number six Oklahoma 41 to 34 in Norman on Saturday night. Um, Adrian Martinez, great story. Great story. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he was at Nebraska for several years. Um, never really did anything special. Most touchdowns he ever had was 17 back in 2018. That came with eight interceptions. Uh, most passing yards he ever had was was 2,800 in 2021. Uh, kind of takes that extra year, goes to Oklahoma, goes to Kansas State, and what's he do on Saturday night? Uh, he goes 21 to 34 for 234 passing yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. He runs the ball 21 times for 148 yards and four touchdowns. The man accounted for five touchdowns. He had rushing touchdowns of six yards, uh, three yards, 15 yards, and one yard. And I tell you, that the most impressive run for me was late in the game when Oklahoma was still fighting, still scrapping. And to set up that final touchdown, uh, it, it had been cut to 34-27. And it looked like maybe Oklahoma was going to stop them. And it was third and 16 on the Kansas State 41. Kansas State had the ball. And Adrian Martinez took off for 55 yards down to the Oklahoma 4. And it went from, okay, Oklahoma's going to get the stop. They're going to get the ball back. And it's going to be about Kansas State having to stop them um, with with a one-score advantage. And they didn't have to do that because Adrian Martinez set them up. And that's one of those, we all forgot about Adrian Martinez. We all forgot, or at least I did, that that he was playing at Kansas State now and, and was still a part of the game. He was just one of those people that went to Nebraska and was, was there for a bunch of lost seasons, and he's gone. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is a different sort of guy like that. 
Uh, they Washington's up to number 18, or they, they were 18 last week. Let's see where they are now. Um, 15 now. Um, he's at Washington now. You remember him from Indiana. We talked about him last week and, and how important it was for them to get out to that um, get out to that good win. They needed that good win over Stanford on Saturday night, and, and he got it. He he, twenty two of thirty seven, three hundred nine yards, two touchdowns. Um, another good night. He's he's a guy that's already I've seen him starting to get a little bit of Heisman attention. Not as a front runner, but as a guy that hey, if if this keeps up, and he keeps playing this way, uh, he could be a guy that that kind of stays in that conversation all year, especially once they start playing some better teams down the road. Um, he's already. Uh, n- completed 92 of 143 passes. That's uh, 64 completion percentage. 1,388 yards, 12 touchdowns, and a pick. I mean, that's he's a- approaching as good as he was at Indiana. Now, his best year at Indiana was 2020, which was a shortened season. But as good as he was, he's, he's approaching his career high in touchdowns or in yards and touchdowns. Um, his career high is 14 touchdowns. That was 2020. He's he's already at 12. His career high was uh, 1,645 yards that year. He's, he's almost there now. He's probably one good game away from, from cracking those totals, and he's got fewer interceptions than he did that year. Um, so another big game for him. They win 44-22. to They also got 13 carries and 120 yards and a touchdown from Rain to, uh, Wayne Taulapapa. I was so focused on – he's from Hawaii. Uh, I was so focused on his last name, I mispronounced his, his very easily pronounced first name. Um, so that, that's just one of the things I like about college football is that guys like, because there's, you know, just if you're doing group or power five conference teams, there's about twice the number of teams in college football that there are in the NFL. And then when you start spreading out to the group of five schools, it's, it's even more than that. So you've got guys that are never going to sniff an NFL roster, or if they do, there'll be a, a, a perennial backup that get their moments on Saturday that um, that have those times where you turn it on and you're like, my goodness, Adrian Martinez is taking over this game. I think back to, was it Zach Calzada, the uh, um, Mississippi Snow, Texas A&M quarterback last year that lit Alabama up. Um, you had guys like Bo Wallace and Ole Miss that I don't even know what he's doing now. He's probably selling insurance. But he had some games when he was at Ole Miss where he made life miserable for Alabama. Um, so it's just cool. So that, that's what my weekend was like. I will talk a little bit more about these games. I'll lead off with, with Clemson-Wake Forest. Uh, 51-45 Clemson win in double overtime. The Clemson offense finally looks good. They finally look like a unit that can handle the rigors of being a top five team, a top 10 team, a championship contender. This is the, an offense that should be on a championship contender in 2022. DJ Ungalale looked really good. 26 of 41, 371 passing yards, five touchdowns. He also ran 14 times for 52 yards. Um, Will Shipley ran 20 times for 104 yards and, and added a score. Clemson's leading receiver was actually, in, in terms of yardage, actually Joseph Vingata for receptions for 84 yards. Um, 
Jake Brenning stool tight end actually had more catches, six catches for 72 yards and a score. Uh, Davis Allen had two scores. They also got uh, receiving scores from Bo Collins. And ba- uh, which specter is that? Brandon Spector. I was going to say the wrong one. Balin was the linebacker. Um, and Wake Forest, I mean, listen, Sam Hartman, 20 of 29 for 337 passing yards, six touchdowns. That says no interceptions. Oh, yeah, he dropped it. Uh, it, it was on the fourth down in the second overtime. Um, Clemson defense back was right there and dropped <clears throat> the interception in the end zone, which was which was fine. Probably the technically the smart call anyway, just kind of knock it down, which I, I, I don't know if he dropped it or if he knocked it down. Um, but he definitely could have caught it. But Sam Hartman had a great game. And a lot is being made about the Clemson defense. And make no mistake about it, the Clemson defense gave up 447 yards. Now, they also, the Clemson offense was good for 559 yards. And that's, I'm ecstatic about that as a Clemson fan. Um, but the Clemson defense is getting knocked a lot, and, and for good reason. They gave up 447 yards. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, they, they gave up five of 12 third down attempts by Wake Forest. What saved Clemson is they they almost, almost doubled up Wake Forest in time of possession. It was 37 and a half minutes to 22 and a half minutes. Um but Clemson just kept getting dinged up on deep deep balls, and the the Clemson secondary was not good. They they didn't get they didn't get their heads around a lot. The, I joked that the only time that uh, Wiggins for Clemson, Nate Wiggins, got his head around was on the final play of the game when he got his head around and knocked that pass down. Um, but and that was that was the theme a lot. Uh, just deep balls coming downfield, and the Clemson secondary not had. I don't even know if they know the ball had been thrown. I still don't know if they know the ball got thrown because they never looked at the ball. Um, and a lot has been made about the Clemson defense. And, and I do think that there's cause for concern. Um, but I, I think the injuries in the secondary, forcing those freshmen to play basically all day, no rotation, had a lot to do with it. Now, the, the coaches certainly could have helped them more. Uh, they, they left them on an island for most of the game. And then late in the game... When it was clear that the passing game was was eating Clemson's lunch, they did switch to more of a zone coverage with kind of a, a four man front handling the, the pressure, and they were forcing Wake Forest to run a little bit more, and it was successful, but it wasn't the big chunk yardage, and it allows you to, you know, if you even if they're eating up yardage downfield, running the ball, if you're in that zone coverage and you get one stop on first down and you make it second and 13, that one stop can be the difference, can just end a drive, that one play. Get them behind the sticks. Now they have to pass, but you're still in zone. And But it, when you're just giving up those big chunk plays, passing the ball, and they're always getting first downs on first down and first downs on second down easily, then you never force them to, to make that decision and you're just on your heels the whole time. And also, because of how bad the secondary was, Sam Hartman had a great day, don't get me wrong, but a lot of his biggest passes weren't exactly NFL-type thread-a-needle throws. It was the pass, he was literally standing in the pocket and as soon as the pressure was getting to him, he'd just flip it right or flip it left. Whoever, whoever had the man beat and one of them had their man beat, he would just flip it over his head. It usually got completed. Or there was a pass interference. So I would like to see what Clemson's front looks, defensive front looks like 
when they've got all their horses in the secondary and and see how they're able to get pressure. When the quarterback can't just time his throw based on, when am I about to get tackled? Let me throw it. And he was able to do that with success an awful lot on Saturday. And I think that's what made that, that pressure look like it wasn't getting there because it was never going to get there. It didn't matter that they, that he was under pressure because he could just flip it over a receiver's head and the defensive back was helpless. Um, so that that's the biggest thing that Clemson needs to fix. Other big wins, Michigan holds off Maryland. Uh, baby, t- baby Tagovailoa had a decent little game there, 20 of 30, 207 yards. Uh, he did have two picks, but he had a touchdown. Uh, I think he probably had also had a good – he had four runs for 20 yards. Uh, Michigan got – Big day from J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, 18 of 26, 220 yards, two scores. Huge day, huge day for Blake Corum. Uh, this is a guy who's who's one of the best returning backs in the country. 30 carries, 243 yards. It's an average of eight yards a carry. A lot of times you see 30 carries, you're like, oh, it's, it's a volume deal. Yeah, he still averaged eight yards a carry, two touchdowns. So big day for Blake Corum. Um, that's a guy you got to watch out for in the Big Ten because you've got a back like that. Because when you've watched Blake Corum, he can hit the home run. But he gets a lot of six, seven, and eight-yard runs. And those are the kind that can short, that can make a game feel like it only lasted 10 minutes. When you got a guy that's just eating up yardage like that. And I know this kind of sounds backwards from what I was just saying earlier. But when he can consistently get that eight yards, which that's what he averaged on Saturday was eight yards. Um, that... Added with a competent passing game, that's that's tough to beat. Michigan is going to be hard to beat this year. Did lose a lot on, on defense, especially up front, but that, that's a good quality team. Um, what other interesting games do we have? Tennessee did beat Florida. Hendon Hooker. The Hendon Hooker hype train is has left the station completely. It is fully engaged in its journey. He went 22 of 28, 349 passing yards, two scores. Also ran 13 times. For 112 yards and another score. Uh, Tennessee is, you know, we're going to talk about Georgia. Georgia struggled a little bit. I'm not going to get down in that game. Um, Georgia won 39 to 22. If you're winning by 17 points and that's considered struggling, you're doing all right. Um, Brock Bowers has the 75 yard touchdown run. Uh, Stetson Bennett didn't have his best day. Uh, Brock Bowers with 77 rushing yards, most of it coming on that one carry. He had uh, he led the dogs with with in rushing two carries two touchdowns seventy seven yards. Lad McConkey had a tough day, um, but Tennessee is going to be that team that Georgia has to watch out for. We kind of felt like that would be the case. You needed to see Tennessee get over a hump like this Florida game. You know we kind of started to see that Florida was not as great as maybe we thought they were after they beat Utah, but that's still a hump they've got to get over. Now Tennessee has LSU next week. Or actually on the 8th. They're, they're actually off this week. So next week was correct. Um, Tennessee has LSU on the road next Saturday at noon. And then the 15th, they have Alabama. That is a massive game for Tennessee. Tennessee has one of the toughest schedules in the country this year, I would imagine. They play Pitt in non-conference. They got Florida. They got Alabama. They got Kentucky. They got Georgia. Um, but that Alabama test is going to be big. Hendon Hooker is the kind of quarterback that gives Alabama trouble. Obviously, we're a couple of weeks away from talking about that game in depth, but circle that one, star that one, underline it. That's a game that I has we have not been had reason to be excited about Alabama Tennessee in a while. I think that's one we can be excited about, but again, we'll talk about that more later. That was the big game in the 330 slot. 
Talking about Arkansas, Texas A&M, what a backbreaker for for Arkansas. They get down there, they get the field goal. The field goal clings off the top of the upright. Um, KJ Jefferson started out hot. They went up fourteen to nothing, I think it was. Um, he was twelve and nineteen, one hundred seventy one yards, two touchdowns. Also ran eighteen times for one hundred five yards and one touchdown. He still is not turning the ball over, folks. He's got uh, one interception this year against eight touchdowns, passing. Uh, just a solid leader. I really don't think this is the kind of loss that knocks Arkansas out of being able to win the SEC West. Now, they can't lose again, but I feel like Texas a and is going to lose again. They, I, I just I think they are. Um, they got Mississippi State this week. That's not necessarily one they're going to lose. Um, then they've got Alabama. I don't think this is a Texas A&M team that can beat Alabama. Of course, I said that last year. Uh, they've got Ole Miss, they've got Auburn, they've got LSU. Um, beating Arkansas was was a was a huge break for them, um, and having South Carolina and Florida as their as their crossover games instead of Tennessee or Georgia or even Kentucky helps them out a lot. But I just I don't think this is a year where where you've got to be undefeated in the conference to win the West. I think Arkansas. I think they're talented enough that they can maybe beat Alabama. Um, the West is still going to go through Alabama, but I don't think this ends their season. They're they're crushed. Uh, they had a bad snap late in the game that where they were kind of moving. It looked like they might be able to go score a touchdown, and there was a bad snap that just kind of wrecked the drive, made the field goal harder. The field goal clanged off the top of the goal post. Just, just tough luck. Um, but they lost 23-21. Big win for Texas A&M. Um, they, on the flip side, like I said, they have the kind of schedule where – they can maybe, if they can find a way to beat Alabama, everything that we thought was off the table when they lost to App State. Now, I don't think the playoffs should be in the picture for them, but if they can find a way to get past Alabama and go 11-1, and now that they've gotten past Arkansas, which is probably their toughest test other than Alabama, that's, that's not a team that I, that, that I think we can rule out of the playoffs necessarily. Um, just because they're an SEC team and – now they'd have to beat Georgia, uh, probably out of the East or Tennessee, and I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, but again, a lot of stuff still in front of Texas A&M with that win. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else big. Ohio State, 50, 52 to twenty-one over Wisconsin. Southern Cal survives against Oregon State on the road. Oregon State was a tough team; they were undefeated. Uh, Southern Cal wins seventeen to fourteen. The Caleb Williams hype train slows down a little bit. Went 16-36 for 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, ran nine times for 27 yards. Travis Dye, the Oregon transfer. Big game for him. 19 carries, 133 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Addison didn't have as big of a game. Three catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. But if you haven't seen his touchdown catch that put them ahead of Oregon State, um, it was a 21-yard pass that Caleb... Williams threaded the needle on, and Addison found a way to haul it in and run it in. Go look at it. Addison is is one of my favorite receivers in the in college football this year. Um, he's he's the real deal, folks. Um, BYU gets the win over Wyoming, and we've talked about all the other games that that really mattered. So with that, we'll take a quick break, then we'll come back and talk about what's coming up this week. Mm-hmm. 
So one thing I forgot to talk about in the last segment that I meant to was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech fires Jeff Collins. And I wanted to talk about something that I kind of got into a little bit on Twitter. And some people are really respect, um, responded to me and talked to me about it. And, and, and they've got some valid points. But my point still stands for a couple of reasons. Uh, what I said was essentially that I think when we talk about Georgia Tech and they talk about, oh, well, the academics make it hard to recruit. It's the academics. You know, they're such an academic school, and and that makes it hard to recruit. Uh, it's an excuse, uh, and for a couple of reasons. Now, I certainly know that they do not have the same academic situation as Georgia or Clemson or South Carolina or Florida or Tennessee. I know they don't. Um, and it's not – well, people – do need to realize, and I knew this when I said that, is it's not, Georgia Tech fans aren't all saying, well, it's such a, such a harder school than those schools. It's specifically about the, the school itself. They don't have the same selection of majors that other schools have. You can't go to Georgia Tech and be an education major. You can't go to Georgia Tech, as somebody reminded me, uh, and be a, a Parks and Recreation Management major, which is a big program at Clemson, not just for athletes. That's not like a dumb major made up for athletes. It's actually a big-time major. They've got one of the best programs in that in the country. Um, and some of those other majors that you have, uh, marketing. I don't think Georgia Tech has a specifically a marketing major. But they do have majors that aren't engineering. They have a, a film, media, and literature major, I think is what it's called. Communications, uh, media, and literature is, is what it's called, I believe. And... It does have some requirements that a similar major wouldn't have somewhere else. Uh, you have to take a survey of calculus, I believe is what it's called. Uh, you have to take a couple of lab sciences. That, that, whereas when I was at Mercer, I only had to take one lab science for my journalism degree. But I'm just hard-pressed to think that a guy who's probably going to leave after three years, if you're talking about elite football talent, you know, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, uh, Justin Fields, one of those type of guys that are from Georgia that were elite elite talents that Georgia Tech was never even in the picture. They weren't not in the picture because, well, you know, I would come, but I'm going to have to take that calculus class. Because any one of those guys could have just not taken that calculus in the first three years. Or, even if they're not, because I say that saying that like well, they don't really have to graduate, and they don't. But at least a couple of those guys did graduate. So graduation was important to them. Just John Watson for all his ill sense, graduated from Clemson in three years. Um, but they could have saved it until after their third football year, to where it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't hurt them eligibility-wise, to where they could struggle with it. You know, take it later, take it after a couple of seasons in the NFL, uh, when you've had a chance to get some tutoring, if that's important to you. Um. And I also don't know that survey of calculus, it's written, when I read the course catalog, and I really did, I went in and looked at the course catalog, looked at what was required in these majors, and it looks like a class that's there to say that you had to take a calculus class. It does not look like, and, and if you're from Georgia Tech and you're like, no, Jeremy, that was a really hard course, you know, but it's, it's, it's stored separately from the other calculus classes. But it is probably harder than the intro math that students at Clemson take or students at Georgia take I'm sure but I just the reason that these football talents aren't coming to Georgia Tech is not that one intro to calculus class it's just not the reason that they're not even on the list for all these top football players is not that calculus course 
Uh, Jameer Gibbs, the top running back at Alabama, he went to Georgia Tech. He he was there. He was in that media communications major that I talked about. Um, didn't stop him from coming. It doesn't stop the top baseball talent from coming. It doesn't stop Georgia Tech from being a number two seed in the baseball tournament. Hasn't stopped him from being a Final Four team in basketball. But anytime we're having trouble with football, the the school that has the most the, the sport that has the most academic scholarships to deal with. Remember, baseball has you know how many guys you want on a roster. You you want at least you, you need um, eight position players and at least six or seven pitchers at minimum. So that's. 14, 15 guys that you've got to have at minimum, they get 11.7 scholarships. Football, you need on the field minimum 22 to, to let's say, let's be generous and say 35 guys that you need to have to play a football game. They get 85 scholarships for football. And yet baseball, with that lower percentage of their spots covered by scholarship, finds a way. So I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that the reason Georgia Tech can't can't compete with guys like Jeff Collins, and I don't think they have to go back to the option. They just have to take football seriously. They have to have a plan. A plan that... And I think the reason the option isn't a long-term option there is because it limits who you can have. You're not going to get a top quarterback with it when, when you're running the option which means you're not going to get a volume of top receivers. They've certainly had top receivers when Paul Johnson was there, but it's one at a time. You're not going to get a volume of top receivers. So, and if you're, and, and then you have to recruit specific kinds of offensive linemen. And so if you can't find the linemen and the running backs that, that fit, you're going to go four and eight, or you're going to go six and six. So I think they need to find a system, find a coach that knows what he's doing, but that is, is willing to be a little bit flexible to the kind of personnel he can get, have. The opposite of the option. So that, because they do have some academic, there are going to be players that they cannot bring in at Georgia Tech. And when that happens, you got to be flexible. You can't be rigid in what kind of style you're going to run. So that, that's kind of my two cents on it. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong. If you went to Georgia Tech and you know I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Um, I mean, I'm probably not going to listen because I'm, I'm, I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn. But I just, I don't see it. You don't see where, it, and, and I do think that the, the academics at Georgia Tech probably keep them from being a, they're not going to be Clemson. They're not going to be Georgia. They're not going to be Alabama. Where year in and year out, they're a top four team because they can't, with those majors and with those academic rigors, they are going to have trouble because Stanford can't do that. Even as good as Stanford's been in, you know, in the last decade or two. They're not a perennial top four team. Even when they were at their best, they weren't a perennial top four team. Um, same with Notre Dame. As good as they've been, they're you know they're barely in the playoffs a couple of times every year. Every every few years, they're in once or twice. And when they go, they don't have great success. Duke, you know, is another one. But I do think Georgia Tech can be a team that, like they are in baseball and basketball, that. Most of the time, they're relevant. Most of the time, like they're a threat to you know do something in the in the ACC tournament in either one of those sports, you know. And Georgia Tech was there under Paul Johnson, so you can't convince me that they could do it with an option, but they can't do it with like a spread option or or a, a as was pointed out a Coastal Carolina style option where they they 
kind of they're a little more versatile. Um, you can't convince me that they could that, that, that they could win with the option. They could be a consistent ACC power with the option, but they can't do it with a spread offense. I, you just won't convince me of that. So that's that's my rant on the Georgia Tech hire. Uh, there's lots of good options out there, but they just they need to be more modern. They need to be more flexible. Um, and stop using the, the academics as an excuse, because I think that's what it is. The action for this week starts off on Thursday night. That's tomorrow night. I'm recording on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Utah State at BYU. Washington UCLA is two undefeated teams. UCLA is unranked. Um, they haven't beat anybody really impressive. They did beat the absolute breaks off of Colorado 45-17 to last week. Um, other than that, they haven't beat anybody super impressive, but they haven't been tested really either. So that's a big game in the Pac-12. 10:30 Friday night, Washington, UCLA. If you're if you're around here, there's not a lot of high school football going on. It's all been moved to Thursday, so got a chance there. Big game of the week. It's listed at the top of my app for obvious reasons. NC State at Clemson, top 10 matchup. That's the game day game, 7:30. Uh, I think I think Clemson matches up better with NC State. NC State doesn't have quite the offensive weapons that Wake Forest does, but they have a better defense. So I think Clemson wins, quote-unquote, more comfortably. Might be just as close of a game, though. Clemson's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's very fair. But I think this is one where Clemson wins 35-28, uh, to 28, or 35-27, to 27, and um, but they're in control the whole time. Because I just don't think that NC State has the kind of weapons. Very good quarterback, but I don't think they have the diversity of, of specific weapons. Wake Forest is a very tall team. If your team, if you're a fan of a Florida State or one of those teams that has to play Wake Forest, they've got that kind of receiving core that can give you trouble with an experienced quarterback because every receiver on that team is like 6'4". All of them. So if your defensive backs are not up to par, they are going to get their lunch eaten all day. Um... NC State doesn't necessarily have that. Uh, they're, they're talented. I just don't think they have that specific skill set. Um, Michigan at Iowa, that uh, that big noon game, Iowa will put you to sleep. They got no offense. Kentucky Ole Miss is interesting at noon on ESPN. Um, two undefeated teams in the SEC, but I, I, it's two teams that I don't think we really have a real grasp on who they are or where they are. That's a, that's a big game in the SEC. That's going to... That's going to do a lot for shaping both divisions. I, I like that game a lot. Um, if I'm around the house, that'll be one I'll be watching. Uh, looking to see if there's anything else I'm super interested in. Oklahoma TCU, Oklahoma needs to get back on track. They didn't have a bad game. Um, they just didn't have any answers for a, a strange player. A player that is strange to not have answers for. Uh, Alabama-Arkansas is this Saturday. I'm super interested in that. I love K.J. Jefferson. I love that running game. I love that Arkansas gets this game right after Texas A&M. I, I think this is good for them. I, I think it's good for them to go straight into, you know, because if they played Vanderbilt this week or if they played a, a non-conference game against Bowling Green this week, it'd be real easy to sleepwalk. Or if they played a team like LSU that they really ought to beat but is still an SEC-talented team, they might lose that one and, and take a loss that they shouldn't lose or they shouldn't take. But I think it's good to have Alabama come right in there. Uh, it's 3.30 CBS game. Alabama's favored by 17. But I, I just love Arkansas. I, Arkansas doesn't have what I think. I, K.J. Jefferson is good. I don't think they have the team to beat Alabama, but I would love it, and I'm going to be cheering for it, if I'm being honest. 
because I just like Arkansas. I like K.J. Jefferson so much, if you haven't figured that out already. Oklahoma State, Baylor is a big game. Oklahoma State's 3-0. Baylor is 3-1. It's a top 20 game, 330 on Fox. Wake Forest and Florida State, number 22 and number 23. Battle at this point for who is going to be the second-place team in the ACC Atlantic behind Clemson. Florida State has all the momentum. Their fans and their Barstool accounts, I try not to follow Barstool accounts, but every time I block one, three more pop up. They're like roaches. Um... But on Twitter, the Florida State, they're feeling themselves. Uh, they think they can beat Wake Forest this week, and they, pro- they maybe can. They're 4-0, and Jordan Travis looked good. They had the other quarterback that was looking good. Um, that's another big one. This is a big Saturday. Georgia is going to Missouri. Georgia ought to win. They're favored by 28. Uh, they ought to win by at least that. Uh, Pitt, Pitt's first one to face New Georgia Tech. We'll see what happens there. Oregon is back on track. They've got the nightcap at 11 o'clock game on FS1 against Stanford. Um, they, they bounce back. They got a, a big road win over Washington State. That That's one that might prove to be better than it looks now. Washington State's not ranked, uh, but they win, Oregon wins 44-41. After some, I think he had some, some struggles early. Bo Nix goes 33-44 for 428 passing yards, three touchdowns, does have a pick. In the game, he also ran six times for 30 yards. So good Bo Nix showed up. And now they've got Stanford this week. So big games in the ACC, big games in the SEC, a couple of big games in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. All in all, a pretty good schedule this week. Kansas State will be looking to build on what they did. They play at noon. I'm skipping all over the place. They play at noon against Texas Tech, uh, who got the big win over Texas. Texas had by John Robinson, by and large, the number one running back coming out this year, fumbled in overtime to help Texas Tech win that game. Uh, They're facing Kansas State. So two teams with loads of momentum trying to prove that this is not an Oklahoma-Texas show in the Big 12. Trying to, We talked about it earlier this this offseason, trying to establish who are going to be the power teams in that conference once Oklahoma and Texas jump over to the SEC. They got a game at noon on on the Big 12 network. Texas Tech, Kansas State should be a fun one. So that's all I've got. Um, stay safe this weekend. I, I know that, that there's bad weather. There's a, a hurricane coming in. Games are getting moved around, rescheduled. Um, if you live in Florida or in, in South Carolina, Georgia, this kind of neck of the woods, be safe. Um, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.